Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Yep, that's me. Uh, August. I was going to say it's August 4th. Well, I believe that'd be April. April 4, uh, 2019. Ooh, and that's right. On, did you hear that wheeze? Did you hear that whistle? Um, yeah, right on time. That's a sure sign of spring, sort of like seeing the first robin when uh, when I start and wheezing. It's good. All righty. Wonder what's going to happen today. What to start with? For those of us who wanted to see Trump's tax returns for a very long time, this is um, yesterday was a good day, I guess. There's actually two things happening on that uh, front, um, and and as all things having to do with wanting to see this guy get. Uh, you know, meet some measure of uh, justice and accountability. Uh, don't get excited. This is going to be drawn out and uh, involve many, many attorneys. But there are uh, two separate House committees seeking Donald Trump's financial records. And they're coming from two different places. And while most of the attention seems to be uh, being paid to the request, it's not a subpoena, the request from the House Ways and Means. I always found that title for that committee <laughs> so funny. Ways and Means. What, what, is, I, what do you think that means? <laughs> ways and Means. The Ways and Means Committee. I mean, did you ever think about that? You know, the House Intelligence Committee, you get sort of a sense of what that might be about. But, and I know Ways and Means is a very important committee, and I'm and a very powerful one. And I'm going to, ass <laughs> I'm not going to make any assumptions, but it's, it's a funny title. Maybe sort of anachronistic, maybe. Ways and Means. Anyway, the now Democratic-controlled House Ways and Means Committee has asked that the IRS commissioner hand over the last six years of uh, Donald Trump's uh, personal and business uh, tax returns. And what's interesting about this is the law is on their side. I mean, totally, apparently, if you just read the law as is. Because if you read it as is, there is a provision in the law which stems, that provision itself stems from another White House scandal from long ago that wouldn't even rise to a blip in these scandal-ridden times, but it was the Teapot Dome scandal that ev eventually <coughs> sullied uh, President Harding's administration. And uh, after Teapot Dome, I mean, really, I think, as I recall what Teapot Dome was about, 
it would be a there's probably a teapot dome happening every few minutes uh, somewhere in the in the current administration <laughs> you won't even get seriously would not even be noted but after a teapot dome a provision was um added that uh flat out said that the house ways and <laughs> means committee uh can in fact uh request the uh, tax returns of any citizen of the United States. So you could be next. Um, and it says quite clearly in the, in the law that the Treasury Secretary shall furnish the information. Now the request went to the IRS commissioner who serves under the, I guess, Treasury Secretary. But it flat out says, shall furnish the information. Nevertheless, of course, never let the word shall <laughs> stand in the uh, way of um, an attorney intent on um, keeping the president's tax returns um, away from the House Ways and Means Committee. So this is going to get forced into the courts uh, without a doubt. Um, but the other one that's so odd, in, and this is the first, this I found out about before the House Ways and Means Committee uh, requested the IRS, is that the uh, House Oversight and Reform Committee See, I sort of thought ways and means would essentially be oversight. Who the hell knows? Boy. Anyway, the chairman of the House Oversight and Reform Committee, uh, and that is Elijah Cummings, who I adore, has said that he will subpoena the uh, president's financial records for the last 10 years and he's subpoenaing not the treasury secretary or the uh, IRS commissioner, he's subpoenaing a accounting firm that I guess does Donald Trump's returns. And What's interesting is that the accounting firm, which is called Mazars USA, has told Cummings, essentially, we have no problem uh, turning over this information to you, but we would appreciate uh, you giving us a subpoena. I think the accounting firm wanting to be, you know, saying, hey, we got subpoenaed, so we did it. So they intend to turn it over. So I think that would be happening a lot sooner than the House Ways and Means Committee going through the IRS. I'm very, I'm sort of, my brows are knotted because, um, I, I don't understand why what the the little coverage I have seen on this doesn't point out that this coming subpoena 
I think, would bear fruit a lot more quickly. Uh, so there you go. There's two, two separate committees saying, show us the tax returns. It'd be nice if uh, Bernie Sanders would show us his tax returns, too, by the way. I think maybe Sanders doesn't want to show his tax returns because he's rich. And it's always, it's always a little uncomfortable, I guess, to be, uh, to be peddling uh, socialism when you're, uh, you know, a millionaire um, and uh, own a lot of properties and stuff like that. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But the fact that, I mean, no one. Uh, you, would you want people to see your tax returns? I would not want people to see mine. It feels like, you know, that's my, literally my business, isn't it? But if you choose to run for the public office, then you, I would think, uh, should, should understand that the people voting for you should be able to see if, you know, you are indebted to or uh, hooked up with this entity or that entity. Um, I think a voter might want to see, uh, are you a charitable person? Are you, uh, and what charities do you support? I mean, it, it, it helps flesh out uh, a person. Uh, yeah, okay. And um, the other stuff uh, going on, which I find fascinating, uh, given the fact that the, the team that Mueller uh, put together, the, the prosecutors, the um, FBI agents, uh, the one thing that we were all told was that this was the tightest ship that Washington had ever seen. There was not even, there was not even a suggestion of a leak for almost two years. Why they delved into stuff that every reporter in the country wanted to get at. And so the fact that we now know that some of the members of that extraordinarily tight-lipped team are now talking to reporters because they are pissed off at what the Attorney General Barr has done thus far with their findings. And I believe the New York Times first uh, published a story about that and then the Washington Post followed suit. Uh, whether or not they're all talking to the same people, I don't know. But there's a great deal of um, anger, apparently, um, about how he has characterized their findings, um, how he has, in fact, toned down their findings, and they also have said that they produced 
summaries of each section of the report, which they assumed would be available, you know, with very little redaction, uh, to be public. And the fact that Barr completely, apparently, avoided all of that work that they had done and came up with his little, whatever it was, exoneration light of, uh, of the guy who uh, placed him there to do just that. Uh, I guess what they're figuring, and I'm thinking now about Trump and Barr and the others, is that, of course, eventually, we're going to, certainly the Congress is going to see this thing. But what they gain by this playing hard to get um, initially is the ability to um, shape the public's perception of what is in the report. So by virtue of Barr refusing to release it and then essentially exonerating the president himself, um, he has allowed a narrative, I was exonerated, I have been exonerated, you know, and Democrats freaking out and Republicans declaring victory. That narrative becomes sort of stuck in a lot of people's heads. And um, that, I believe, is probably what is most galling to these uh, people from who did all the legwork, who did the work of, um, of the special counsel, uh, that their findings have been not portrayed as, in fact, they are. So, there's that. She sighed in exhaustion. And, as if we aren't having enough inquiries, the um, intelligence panel is also opening an inquiry. I, I think this is sort of old news, but it's garnered a little more attention of late, into the shenanigans that apparently were occurring before Trump even took office um, in the inaugural committee that was set up, um, which, by the way, raised more money than any inaugural committee had ever raised before, spent more money than any inaugural committee had ever spent before. It managed to spend over $100 million in uh, just 72 days, which is twice as much or even more than twice as much than Presidents Barack Obama or George W. Bush spent for their first and second <laughs> inaugurals together. So we're talking big monies coming in. And what people are not only suspecting, but I think some people know, they just now need to connect dots, is that a lot of foreign uh, folks were using uh, 
donations to that inaugural committee to uh, get close and uh, to the president-to-be. Uh, buying influence is actually what I, they're attempting to do. And, of course, it is illegal for uh, foreign governments or even foreign people to uh, donate to uh, Trump's uh, committee. Uh, apparently, the, uh, the House Intelligence Committee is looking specifically at whether uh, people in Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Oh, yeah, Saudi Arabia, you betcha. Hey, have you heard the news that they now believe that um, a special oven, a huge brick oven, was built at the Saudi Council's home uh, in Turkey for the sole purpose of disposing of the body of that pesky journalist, Khashoggi. The reason no one can find the body is it's dust. It never left the place where he was murdered. So, Anyway, there's that happening, too. And by the way, um, I don't watch it much, but I do tune in to CNN usually around 5 or 6 just to see what the news of the day has been, as according to them. And everyone on that network is constantly asking every Democrat who shows up um, on their air, the same question. And if I hear it, and I will hear it, I will hear it more than one more time. If it's, if they're talking about any of the things I've talked about so far, the question will come. Are you concerned that Democrats are overreaching in these um, investigations? And, you know, this is what media do in this country. They, this is a narrative they want to, uh, to put out. And it's a knee-jerk narrative for them. Ah, the Democrats have finally gotten power and they will overreach. What's interesting is they never say that about Republicans who overreach. <laughs> My God, just Mitch McConnell exhibit. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight. I mean, overreach is what they do breathlessly. I've never heard that question. But when it's Democrats, they're always saying, are you concerned? And it's Democrats they are always asking, are you worried that your um, more, you know, radical elements are, you know, pulling the party? They never ask that of the Republicans, a party that has been pulled so far off the spectrum in the last 20 years. And it's they have these set ideas. And they do badger 
Democrats more when Democrats use the power they have. They seem to question Democrats more for simply using the power they have than they do Republicans for abusing the power they have. Just had to get that off my chest. Okay, now. Uh, I found um, a column by Jennifer Rubin in the Washington Post to be very interesting. This is from yesterday. Jennifer Rubin, by the way, um, was a rock-ribbed conservative Republican columnist. I say was because you wouldn't know that reading her stuff now. In this era of Trump, <laughs> she's, I mean, her head's exploded, her hair's on fire, and, you know, she's joined the ranks of, uh, of all of us. But she genuinely thinks that Trump is mentally losing it. And other people do, too. I personally can't tell because he has seemed totally incoherent to me since day one. But I want to share some of what, you know, she notes. Uh, and uh, she says, just for instance, just the, the in the last 24 hours when she wrote this, she said in the past 24 hours, Trump, who, by the way, according to his aides, is tired. Oh, yeah, would he play too much golf? He's tired. <laughs> Has, she points out, falsely declared multiple times that his father was born in Germany. Now, and he's even, I mean, he said, a beautiful little town in Germany. His father was born in New York. I mean, is it just him lying, or is it him really having decided to place his father in Germany? The president has also, as you know, declared that uh, windmills um, uh, cause cancer. And um, the other day when he was talking, couldn't say the word origins, and instead kept saying oranges. Uh, I want reporters to look into the oranges of the Mueller, Mueller report. He said more than once, look into those oranges. Um, he also told uh, his fellow Republicans that they needed to be more paranoid about vote counting. Okay, so she points those things out and then says he is increasingly incoherent. And then she literally quotes him at uh, that uh, event he was at. There was a Republican event. The uh, I can't remember the, the group. Listen to this. I'm going to read it. She's got it here. It, it is total word salad here. Told this to a big crowd. Oh, and also at this big crowd, he said, and I bet 
I bet everything I'm saying here is going to be leaked out and made public. C-SPAN was covering it. I mean, that's how out of of course it was public, you friggin' fool. Okay, here's here's one of the things he said besides that. If you can figure this out, you're a, you're better than Jennifer Rubin or I. We're going into, I think he's talking about Biden. Okay. We're going into the war with some socialist. It looks like the only non-sort of heavy socialist is being taken care of pretty well by the socialists. They got to him, our former vice president. I was going to call him. I don't know him well. I was going to say, welcome to the world, Joe. You have a good time? Now, what was that? We're going into the war with some socialists. It looks like the only non-sort of heavy socialist is being taken care of pretty well by the socialists. I used to love in school, in grade school, um, when you diagram sentences. I thought that was so much fun. Did you, did you ever do that? I bet they don't do that anymore. You know, you had a line and then you had the qualifiers coming off here and there. I remember doing it to the preamble to the Constitution. Man, it was all over the place. I loved it. You couldn't, you could not do that to that word salad. And then she has another. Now, you look at that speech and you see what's happening. And that speech was so tame compared to what's happening now. That trek up is one of the great treacherous treks anywhere. And Mexico has now because they don't want the border closed. That makes no sense. So she says, I don't presume to diagnose him or to render judgment on his health. All of us, however, should evaluate his words and actions. If you had a relative who was speaking this way, you would urge him to get checked out <laughs> or advise him to slow down, although you can't slow much further down than Trump's schedule. This is the guy, she says, remember, is holding the nuclear codes. And she says that Republicans know that his decisions, they can, and we can all see, seem to be more erratic and illogical than ever. Uh, that all of a sudden blindsiding them with deciding to go after Obamacare again, or the border closure, which I believe is supposed to happen tomorrow, although won't. I mean, he's like, he's doing things that are literally crazy. Um, and she ends by saying, collectively, we need to stop treating his conduct as normal. She's really calling out media here. Politicians should start saying out loud what we all intuitively understand. Trump is unraveling before our eyes. There is reason to be concerned about how he will make it through the rest of his term. Giving him another four years is unimaginable. And uh, 
remember again, that woman, as far as I know, is still a Republican. We have a caller. Caller, go ahead, please. Hi, Lynn. Hi. Hi, Lynn Collin. This is Michael from Polish Hill. Hi, Michael from Polish Hill. Long-time listener, uh, semi-frequent caller. (laughs) Yeah. First thing, okay, first thing, before I get to my main issue, there's two quick things. First of all, I love that shirt that you're wearing. Well, thank you. I do, too. Well, you always look... You always look fabulous, but this, this shirt that you're wearing today ra- rivals the uh, sperm shirt. <laughs> it's just <laughs> remember the one with the little sperms on it. We, we got to yes, bring I, that one back for the summer. Yeah, I, that is my summer <laughs> shirt, I believe. Yes. Well, thank you. Okay. Well, the other quick thing before I get to the, the reason I called is that about Trump being unhinged. Uh, For a while, I was always watching his uh, speeches and his rallies and stuff because I just couldn't believe it. And no matter what you have to say about the guy, it is sort of, I don't know, sort of like not entertaining. What kind of entertaining? And I'm like, oh, my God, what is going to happen next? But then uh, after a while, it just got so repetitive and so crazy. He's like, he's still saying, lock her up, lock her right. up, lock her up. Right, right. But you know what? I did watch, uh, because I heard that it was totally bonkers. I did uh, look up on the internet and watch that event that uh, he did at the Republican thing the other day. Right. I think it was yesterday or the day before. And he was actually talking to Republican people in Congress that were trying to get reelected. Right. And he was telling them, he's so crazy crazy, bonkers things that would totally ruin them from getting elected. He's like, be more paranoid, be against health care. It was just so unhinged. I mean, it's just like watching a guy self-destruct and, well, I don't know. What, what, I don't, okay. Like you, I'm just so sick of talking about him, but I can't believe how much he consumes our life. Every day I get up and I look at the Twitter and like, oh, my God, what did he do today? And it's just this feeling of anxiety and uh, horror. (laughs) So so that brings me to the reason I called. Okay, (laughs) go on. I'm sorry. Okay. No, I didn't say anything. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. The reason I called, I'm not sure if you saw this article. I think it was in the New York Times. And at first I thought, wait, is this fake news? And then I saw it was on some sites like the um, British Journal of Medicine or something. But did you see anything about this um, 71-year-old lady in Scotland that can feel no pain? Yes. Uh, yes. She can put her hand on a stove. And apparently it's a real disease. And it's yes. really sad when kids have it because, you know, they put their hand on the stove over and over again. They can, like, crack their head open and they're like, whatever. So apparently it's a real thing that, that there is something that it is, it's like a DNA thing or something in their brain. And they're trying, scientists are trying to find out what exactly it is. Well, it's that a gene. I mean, person what, to feel she's got a, where all of us have a certain gene. She's got it doubled somehow where literally she can, yeah, she not only feels no pain, never has, but she also feels no 
anxiety or depression? That's what I was going to ask you about. No anxiety. She's not concerned about anything, but that's also no empathy, too. And this brings me back to your show on Monday when you were crying the whole time. I'm like, wow, maybe you need a little dose of this uh, anesthesia. (laughs) Yeah, God, I do. God knows I do. But you know what? That she is that is a real handicap because pain is important in that, you know, exactly. It tells us take your hand off that flame or you know, anxiety these are all survival mechanisms actually. But the fact that they have found the gene involved, I mean it does they think maybe they'd be able to possibly uh, start doing research that might help people with chronic pain if they could feed them a little more of whatever she's got. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, that would be. But you, um, you touched on my um, uh, premise of the uh, my question is that the thing about feeling no anxiety. Yeah. Um, I think they said it also came that she also felt really like no highs. Kind of like, uh, okay, when I was incarcerated, they put me on uh, Paxil for a while, the court mandated. And it's kind of like the thing when you're on Paxil, well, oh, okay, I don't feel really depressed, but I don't really ever feel happy. It's like you don't really feel anything. Yeah. There were other side effects to it as well, like you don't get a boner. Anyway, I threw those <laughs> pills down the toilet. But, uh, but the thing, okay, here's the existential question, though, Lynn. Now, if you had the choice... To have her ability to feel no anxiety, no concern. Uh, you wouldn't have to cry when you uh, went past this person on Smithfield Street. You you just felt nothing. Um, would you take that over feeling uh, no. sadness? And no. yeah, no. That's and it's like that's it, the you question. Know, you know, sort of the same of you know. I've often thought you know. I wish I didn't know so much or see so much, you know, and I think, you know, ignorance is bliss. I mean, if you don't know, you're just, you know. Well, that's the other thing. Well, that's the other thing I thought. I was like, like, is she just stupid? No, no, no. (laughs) Because, you know, a lot of, no, well, no, she's not. She is a legitimate disease. But I think a lot of these people that don't really feel anxiety are just dumb. You know, if you don't, if you don't, really understand what's going on in the world and you can just be the old saying ignorance is bliss (laughs) so okay that would be another existential question would you rather just be ignorant and blissful no because it's a kind of it's a false i mean it means you're living in a false reality your ignorance is bliss Mm -hmm. because you're an idiot i don't know i don't want to be an idiot (laughs) i don't want to be okay that brings us back to well, that brings us back to uh, Betty Davis and whatever happened to baby Jane. She's like, oh, Jane, I was watching that. She's you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah oh, no, God. I was just wondering if you saw that article about that woman. Yeah, I but did. But here's some really gross thing. Well, here's a really gross thing. Well, you know thing what I, I was thinking? Wait, the one, you know what I thought? She has children. So that means she... She had chi- she delivered children and felt not any pain at all. Um, and mm. then I thought to myself, how would she even know that she was 
having contractions. <laughs> well, how would she even know? And I guess then I realized, well, I guess when her water broke, she'd think, oh, I guess something's happening here. Isn't it? I mean, I can't Ugh. imagine living but like that. But then the other thing, how were those children raised with this mother who felt like no, uh, anything towards them? Did she even know they were her kids? Well, I guess she knew they, they were her kids, but I don't know. It's so it's, weird. It's odd. And, and, and the, the fact that, I mean, maybe her children have a little of this genetic input that she gave them. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, here's the gross thing that I read in one of the articles that now that she's getting old, sometimes she gets infections. And they said uh, she doesn't uh, know to go to the doctor to get them treated until her mate, I guess she's still married or has a partner, until he smells rotting flesh. I'm like, oh, that, come on. That's, that's a non-starter. Yeah. <laughs> come on. No, you don't want to be Oh, hurt. I smell rotting flesh, honey. You better go to the doctor. I think you're septic. <laughs> oh my god so nuts why were you in jail oh oh uh oh it was many years ago and it was um uh drunk driving offenses and uh it's nothing to be proud of kiddos but yeah i served uh, i served i served time in uh county jail and rehab and uh out uh, inpatient uh rehab and yeah, it was it was not fun. Not fun. But uh, yeah, they mandated though they they would oh well of course you know uh, we have to put you on these drugs so they put me on the Paxil I'm like oh boy I don't like that stuff. So you look but, like yeah, you, you look like somebody of. you look like somebody and one flew over the cuckoo's nest on Paxil. Yeah, well now I was not that animated. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I guess that was a I think it was a better book than a movie, but. Uh, it was it was it was not the greatest period of my life, and I'm not proud of it. And uh, but I did it, and uh, now I only take Ubers. <laughs> <laughs> Don't all right, you. <laughs> hey, thanks. That was yeah. a great call. Thank you. Hey, Lynn, love you. Okay, talk to you soon. Bye. I love you. Bye bye. Speaking of being in jail, did you hear the one about the old lady in England, another old lady in England who was in a, lives in a nursing home? And one of the things on her bucket list was to get arrested. She said, what haven't I done in my life? Well, I've never been arrested. So the local constabulary came <coughs> and handcuffed her and took her into the into their car and sirens going and they brought her to the you know the station house and fingerprinted her and did did, did the whole thing with her so she could cross it off her bucket list uh so sweet things happen by the way i'm being told if you listen to me on itunes would you please uh give my podcast a five-star review do you know that ha have you ever had things like where you I can't remember the times that I have where I, somebody, some service has been, and they then they say, now you're going to be getting a, uh, a, a survey from my employer, and please, please give me a five-star review because anything less gets me in trouble or something. And I, I've really resented that. 
because what if I don't think it was a five, they did five stars, and, and they're putting me in the position of then feeling guilty if I do But here, so I'm doing, would you please give me a five-star review on iTunes, and would you, on YouTube, would you, would you hit the little bell they have there saying, yeah, I like her a lot, and would you, you generally, even on my Facebook page, give me a, whatever, like me? Like me, like me, please like me. Beth writes, do you realize how many Mormon women wish they had her affliction? No pain at childbirth, not just Mormons, Orthodox Jewish women. Uh, yeah, the ones they have to spit out baby after baby. No sooner they spit another one out and then they get impregnated again. You know some pharmaceutical company is going to use her gene to make billions off some new medication. I'm sure she'll get very little money. Wonder if she'll feel anything then <laughs> after she gets stiffed. Um, well, I hope they can. I, I was talking to a friend who has chronic pain, and nothing, nothing is helping her. And now she's giving herself shots every day, and, and you know, stuff, and, and just nothing is helping. And um, I would hope that for people who really suffer, um, that they're, they do figure out. You know what else they don't know how to do? You know, we can put a man on the moon. We can send off things to, you know, intersect with other things 500 gazillion millions miles into the stratosphere. And we can't, still don't know how to alleviate pain and suffering without bad consequences. Um, you know what else we can't do? They don't know how to really, some people suffer not from pain, but from itching. What would you rather have? Chronic itching that can't be cured or chronic pain. I've always said I'd take the pain, personally, but I don't know. Easy to say. But they can't figure out itching either. They cannot. And don't tell me calamine lotion. No, people who really have bad, bad, bad rashes and itching, it can make you insane. And there's nothing they know how to do. They being the great medical establishment. So I want to, I, I read this piece, you know how I feel about artificial intelligence. Um, and what it's doing to us. Turns out there was this big piece in um, the Wall Street Journal uh, about how they use our voices uh, to learn things about us. And... This stuff is already being being used. Mm, uh, you might recall that I was talking about the uh, the other day about how medical care uh, for us, the lowly, um, will increasingly be done by artificial intelligence and robots and and on screens, um, human touch, a doctor actually looking at us and touching us and feeling us. That's going to be something only the rich get. And this article, too, just 
totally underscores that. They're talking about how in treating mental illness, um, there is a company that has launched um, a, a mental health monitoring system. I th we talked a little bit about this one guy, remember, who, who already it's being used. He's in Boston, and he sits in front of a screen and, and, and talks. The screen watches him, and he talks to this little animated cat who he loves and who says back to him, I love you too. And she's watching him all the time, and he has, his health has improved with this little friend. But that's just one little thing. There's another thing called a mental health monitoring system called Companion. And it's used especially for people with depression. I'll tell you, if I were depressed, and I often am, and somebody hooked me up to some stupid thing called companion, I would, believe me, get further depressed. Uh, what the poor soul does, who's depressed or is bipolar, is download an app, and then they are asked to talk into their uh, smartphones, and they're asked to talk about how they're feeling and all of that, and all of the information of their tone, their voice, uh, everything is transmitted to artificial intelligence for analysis. And they use emotion AI technology is what it's called, which can tell changes in mood, um, just from listening to the voice, changes in mood, uh, what else? Whether or not, oh, because there's also a, um, whether you're withdrawing or whatever, excuse me. Um, okay, so there was that, but then there's these other things. Car companies, guys. Car companies are now designing cars with AI in them that uses our they've got a camera on us you're driving your car and the car's watching you and it detects it also can hear you so if there's someone else in the car they can hear and it uses voice analysis along with facial recognition to assess your emotional state as a driver Toyota hello has a demonstration vehicle which reads facial expressions and voice tones and there's a camera on the steering wheel. This is where we're heading. You are going to be watched 24-7. And if the car notices you're maybe getting a little drowsy or agitated, the car's voice assistant, God, will chirp up and engage you in conversation. And if you're not keeping up your end of the conversation with your own goddamn car, then it will suggest very nicely that you pull over and take a break. Over time, the car's conversation uh, system will get to know you so well that they'll know which topics are likely to engage you more 
as you drive. I just want to say, shoot me first, okay? Some of you maybe have had the experience of now, you apply for a job, you can't get to a human being. Voice sense is one of the speech-based AI systems that screen applicants now for many businesses. It analyzes your speech, your intonation, and your pace, and the pace at which you speak. And it builds a behavioral model of your temperament, your ambition, your dependability, and your creativity. An employer then can look at the scores that you have received by talking to a machine and figure out whether or not you would be a good match for the job. Then there's another one, which... Um, a health organization, which one? Advent Health, which employs 25,000 people and hires 8,000 a year, which means they got some serious turnover. Um, they use a system where if you meet basic job requirements, you're invited to take an online interview with a machine. And its algorithm is going to evaluate your responses to certain questions, also your tone of voice and your word clusters. It also will incorporate visual analysis, watching you, examining what are called micro-expressions, very quick facial expressions that you don't even know you make, but which mean something. Advent Health loves this system. It says it has decreased the time it takes to fill a job from 42 days to 36 days. There's more, but it's like nightmare. To me, nightmare. And then I saw this in the same realm. This guy sitting on an airplane, his name is Vitaly Kamluk. He's a malware expert and cybersecurity expert. And he's, um, he's looking at his seat back, and, you know, it's got a screen and all that crap. And he sees what clearly is a camera lens on the lower edge of the screen. And he took a photo of it and then tweeted it to the airline. And the airline quickly got back and says, yes, that is a camera, but it has been disabled. Well, two U.S. senators who learned of this have um, gotten freaked out. I think it's outrageous, Senator Jeff Merkley said. He's a Democrat. I'm very upset. I don't want a camera staring at me, and I don't think most passengers do, said Republican Senator John Kennedy. 
something we all agree on. We want to sit on an airplane and not be watched. Want to drive our cars and not be watched. Want to sit in our own homes and not be watched. With things doing algorithms, figuring out all these aspects of our beings. We would like to apply for a job and talk to a human being. Anyway, the camera, it turns out, and there's microphones as well, so they can listen to your conversation. And they're part of a new generation of systems offered by Panasonic and other companies uh, for airline entertainment systems. It says here, oh, this is just very benign because we figure that we can use this and when the camera detects that the passenger is sleeping, it, for instance, could lower the light level. And then, here's this is pathetic, airlines also could create digitally branded frames so passengers could take selfies. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm sure, wouldn't you all love to see a picture of me? Here I am on an airplane. And so you're going to incorporate a surveillance system on my seat? Anyway, the guy who discovered it said he saw cybersecurity risks in those cameras and mics. He says, look, this is all connected to a computer system somewhere, and that computer is connected to the network, which is connected to the Internet, so I see a way it could be accessed remotely. They are not going to convince me to trust them, when there's a camera and a microphone in front of me. I don't want that there. It's a huge violation of trust. I think the, you can assume, and you should assume, you are being watched and listened to now at all times. And maybe not quite yet, but in 10 years, forget about it. Little Tony writes, Lynn, I wish Michael would call more often. Michael, did you hear that? He's a riot and always good for a laugh. We need more laughs. Love the baby Jane reference. <laughs> oh, Bob. Here's Bob to bring us back down. Today really sucks because it's April 4th the 51st anniversary of the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the 10th anniversary of the killings of Pittsburgh police officers Eric Kelly, Stephen Maley, and Paul Shulo. Yeah. And somebody pointed out to me, uh, Kurt, one of you had sent over um, something saying that the, um, the killer of those three cops, Richard Poplowski, had a whole lot in common with the killer at Tree of Life. They were both totally 
uh, on the same kind of, they were listening to the same stuff. And the guy who killed all those cops was a total anti-Semite as well. And he sent me all this stuff. He thought the Jews controlled the government. He called it Zog, the Zionist occupied government. Um, these people we're worrying about Mexicans coming and killing us we're worried about Muslims coming and killing us it's the white Christian guys right here right here who are killing us but somehow they do not. Hey, I also got some other good news, kind of, sort of. And then there's a... I found out that my hometown, Green Bay, Wisconsin, which is a real Republican bastion, elected its first Democratic mayor yesterday, Tuesday. Elected its first Democratic mayor in forever. So that's good. At the same time, though, Wisconsin voters electing a Supreme Court justice, state Supreme Court justice, put a Republican on, which packs the Wisconsin Supreme Court. So that poor governor there has got a state legislature overrun by Trump supporters and a Supreme Court overrun, and Wisconsin voters got to do better than they're doing. And, and, uh, I think that's it. I've got this other thing, but I don't have enough time to squeeze it in here. I don't think. I'm going to have to hold it in abeyance, as they say. Uh, because I can't do it in a minute, and a minute's all I got, I think, if I'm reading that right. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, <coughs> okay, so um, that'll probably do it for me for today. I want to thank you all. I feel um, very held up by you, um, and... Uh, I really appreciate you. Just want to say, but give me five stars. Give me thumbs up. Give me, give me, give me, give me. Love me, love me, love me, please. Apparently, that's what you have to do in this new wonderful world we live in. Okay, I'm done. I'm taking my beautiful shirt, and I'm leaving. Hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers. <laughs>